Hi, everyone. Welcome to QCCS Mackay Coast Change Game podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the Uibara people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to our past, present, and emerging. Change the Game, brought to you by the Mackay Cutters. This episode is tackling mental health head on with Jared Crane. Jared Crane is our wellbeing and education manager at the club, Mackay Cutters. I've been lucky enough to have Jared on board for over a year now. 18 months. 18 months. And he's doing fantastic work in the wellbeing space. He's travelled up north from Gundagai. I'm glad you got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Out there in country New South Wales and he's calling Mackay home now and enjoys that with his... Labrador dog and swimming pool that he gets to use <laughs> every day up here in the sun. So, Jared, welcome to the Change Game podcast. Thanks very much for coming on. Today, we're going to ta- talk about tackling mental health head on. Thanks for having me, Cookie. Long time listener. Excited to finally get the opportunity or take the opportunity to come on. So, looking forward to chatting all things mental health and wellbeing. So am I. What I want to ask first is how do you find yourself in the Mackay Cutters Wellbeing Education Manager role? So long story short, as you mentioned, grew up in Gundagai, country New South Wales. Went to school there, played a lot of rugby league there. So my background was in rugby league. Played that up until about the age of 20 when I had an injury and that ended my amateur football career. Went to university in Wagga Wagga and become a teacher. So I think teaching and well-being management go hand in hand at times. There's quite a lot of well-being managers that have worked as teachers. So I think that was a really good foundation for me to step into the role. So got my teaching degree down in Wagga Wagga, did a little bit of travel over to London, around Europe and different things like that. Ended up back in Gundagai and kind of was at a time in my life where I wasn't too sure what was going to be next. Bit of a sliding doors moment and a Mackay Cutters job ad popped up on my phone for a wellbeing and education manager. And I remember sending it to to one of my mates who works in rugby league and just said, oh, what do you think of this? And sort of read the PD and said, that's that's you in a position description. So I applied for the role. And I think from my background, as I mentioned in teaching, bit of a rugby league background as well, but also some experiences that I guess I went through along the way that shaped me into what I believe is a good fit for a wellbeing manager. So applied for that role and was lucky enough to, to get the opportunity here at the Cutters and have loved every minute so far. What do you love about the role? I think first and foremost is the connection with players, staff members, that sense of community that you get within a footy club. It's something, as I mentioned, I grew up with the game and I guess rugby league gave me that that sense of belonging and that community that, that I realised later in life that I craved. And I think as a wellbeing manager, you're at the, the, the front of that within a club. So being connected with players, with the staff, being able to have different conversations and assist people to be the best version of themselves, I really get a kick out of that. I think that's something I probably developed along the journey of teaching and a little bit of coaching as well and in being able to see people progress throughout a season or throughout a school year. And I think within the wellbeing role, we get to do that as well and, and helping people improve. One of your challenges in the early days when you come to the club was to transition out of the teaching role yep. and the environment that a teacher is in when they're at school. So talk to me a little bit about that, of that transition from the 
nine to three kind of school time to working in rugby league where uh, or our club. That's times it can be a role that you take home as well. Yep. So talk to me about, that, about all those elements. I guess everyone to a degree is institutionalised a little bit through through their own schooling. And for me, straight out of school, went to university and then straight into teaching. So I never really got out of that, I guess, that habit or that routine of, of being in a school type environment. So coming into rugby league, as you said, the hours are a little bit more flexible that you can get a phone call at any time. There might be an email that you might need to get back to pretty quickly. A player might need something, a staff member might need something. So that nine to three is kind of out the window. For any of the teachers listening, I know you don't work nine till three. I know it's a lot more than that, but I guess for this role is is being available in those times. And I think that's really important that the people that I'm working with know that I'm available um, and know they can reach out at any time. I think it's one of the more vital parts of the role. So that's probably the biggest difference I noticed. And our club wellbeing. So you've had a really big influence and input into developing our club wellbeing model. And it's been really the first thing within the job that you've you've needed to, to do. So we had a little break from our previous wellbeing manager, who was also in the club doing, doing a great job, but needed a bit of TLC within that department. So talk me through that of when you come in, your understanding of wellbeing too, you're, you've going through the cert for an elite athlete wellbeing and education management certificate at the moment, or you've just compl- hopefully completed it because it's getting assessed as we speak. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so so talk to me about that, the the model that we, we do at the club and the role that you played in shaping that. Yeah. So as I mentioned, when the role was first advertised and I looked at it, I didn't have a, wouldn't wouldn't say I had a, a massive understanding of what wellbeing managers did day to day. I hadn't been exposed to a wellbeing manager not being in a professional environment through my own footballing. But as I said, I read the position description and, and kind of got the feeling that a lot of my characteristics sort of fit in with that. So I guess I had this core knowledge of what it could look like. As I mentioned, there was a few experiences that I went through within my life that I think set me up to better understand how a wellbeing manager can be effective in a sporting environment. A couple of those come through my own rugby league career. So as I mentioned, I retired at the age of 20 from I was playing out there at Gundigai and had a pretty bad knee injury, a pretty rare knee injury for for the sport of rugby league where I shattered my kneecap into four pieces. So for any listeners that are rugby league fans, it's similar to what Ryan Pappenhausen's going through at the moment. And I think from that experience, for me, I was really lucky growing up. I never really had any times where my mental health was affected too much. But in that injury, when, again, I realised that rugby league was going to be taken away from me and losing that sense of belonging, that sense of community and things like that, I started to feel my own mental health decline a little bit. Don't get me wrong, I've, I've thought long and hard and I understand perspective really well now and, and, and I know that that knee injury opened a lot of other doors for me and, and it changed the trajectory of my life in a way but still at the time it was really hard for me to deal with. I was really lucky that I had a really good support network around me with family and friends that helped me get through that and that was a, a lot of bed rest, a lot of time to think. I had four operations on the knee before I could even sort of walk around properly again so rugby league was sort of out of the question by then but I guess having to go through the injury myself gave me an understanding of what players go through every day we know how many injuries do pop up within the game and I guess having to go through it and working out ways myself to get myself out of that little rut that I found myself in 
I think that helped me to understand how I can help players moving into the role. From there, I got into coaching. Sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit here, but I'm just trying to set the scene a little bit. I got into coaching the next year when I couldn't play anymore and the club offered me the under-16s role at the Gundy Eye Tigers and that really helped me to understand that rugby league wasn't taken away from me and the game was still there. There's other opportunities to be involved. About Around seven in that season, I really learnt a lesson around perspective. We had a young man playing in that team that unfortunately, due to an incident on the field, lost his life. And for me, that, as I mentioned, put things into perspective. And from that moment on, I stopped being that team's coach. And now understanding what a wellbeing manager is, I became a wellbeing manager. At the time, I didn't understand what that was, but winning games and developing as rugby league players, that was kind of on the back burner. And we just had to make sure that away from football, we were okay, making sure the player's family and and Louis, who was the the player involved, that, that his family was okay as well. So I think... That experience, I wish I never had to go through that and it, it's something that never should have happened and I wish it didn't, but I think going through that set me up to understand how I can impact a, a team without being a coach or being involved in the performance side of things. So again, become the sort of unofficial wellbeing manager, I guess, and, and looking after that team. And that was one of the things that really set me up when I did see the job advertised in knowing that that was something that I think I could make an impact in. There was a few other things that happened within the Gundy Guy community. I had a close childhood friend that, that committed suicide as well, which again, another experience I wish we didn't have to go through and, and family and friends and things like that never had to go through. But it was experiences like that that helped me understand the importance of the wellbeing side of things, not just in rugby league, but in life itself. And I think coming into the club, those experiences gave me a bit of an understanding on where priorities needed to be. From the Certificate 4, it challenged some of those opinions. It's heavily focused on a proactive approach to wellbeing. So a lot of those things that I just spoke about, when we went through those experiences, we had to be reactive. So the injury, the unfortunate passing of Louis and and dealing with suicide and things like that, they're reactive things that are really important to have reactive strategies. We have to. But coming into a club and being a wellbeing manager, we've got to start thinking more proactively about it and starting to have conversations now before incidents or events happen and trying to be a little bit more preventative rather than have to react react to an event. Some life-shaping moments that you just talked about and talk to me more about our, our model that you just sort of touched on at the end there. So what are the proactive measures and steps as a club now that you manage, how, how do we do it and what do we do? So I think historically, if you think about how society has seen mental health and well-being and how they've approached it, a lot of it is around we need to do something for the mental health. But what I've learned in the Certificate 4 from the Wellbeing Science Institute is that we need a more holistic approach to managing well-being and mental health. Mental health is just one aspect of holistic well-being. So we focus on 10 dimensions at the cutters where we're looking at all different parts of a player's life. So mental health definitely one and we definitely need to have strategies around that. But looking at things like physical health, looking at what their career path outside of rugby league is, looking at financial state and how they're managing their money and all those different things that can affect your mental health educating and and having conversations around these so we can put some actions in place, some proactive actions to make sure that they're not going to have a negative effect on someone's mental health. So I think the the model itself comes from a holistic approach where we focus on those different dimensions of one person's life. And the initiative to change the game, which is a a program that we have at the club that connects to your role as well. Mm. So 
talk to me about change the game. And so when you come in to the club again, we had to sort of look at change the game as, as part of what we do with the wellbeing model and and kind of pick it up a little bit from, it wasn't really active within the club as much as it is now. So it needed a little bit again, TLC, that as, as staff and a club, we need to make a focus on and, and value the importance that it plays. So talk to me about change the game and, and what of change the game and where it's going to go. So I guess coming in, the change the game initiative, it was really well known throughout the community. The playing group as well knew about the change the game initiative, but I think with a high turnover of players and some turnover of staff as well, it become evident that while they knew what the change the game was about, they knew the history of why it started and the importance of, of why it started. A lot of players and staff members couldn't give me an accurate representation of what we're actually doing. So I guess as a staff and playing group had input into that and we sort of sat down and looked at what we can be doing both in-house and in the community. Um, I think there's two main parts of that Change the Game initiative and, and what we're doing with mental health and well-being within the club and then what we can do outside in the community as well. So I spoke about that holistic approach that we look at within the club. We've got a, a clear plan and process in, in what we follow to, to make sure that we are having a proactive approach towards people's well-being, whether it be player or staff member. And then within the community, what impact can we have in, it might look different to what we're doing with our players and our staff, but what can we do within the community? So I think education's a really big one and, and it's something we're trying to push proactive wellbeing education within, whether it's local businesses through our corporate care program, our cutters care program, where we go out to schools and we provide that proactive wellbeing education. Just at a school this morning and the kids love it, but I think the players love it even more coming out to schools and being able to push some of those really key messages. And then just attending different community events, fundraising, We've just started the push-up challenge as of today, another initiative that stems from the Change the Game initiative with thanks to PIMS Group who are helping us out with that. So I think all these different things that we're doing on the daily will impact that Change the Game initiative, whether it's the things we're doing in-house or the things we're doing out in community as well. And the money that we do, we're fortunate enough to raise for Change the Game, goes directly back into our players and staff that resource there for them to seek the support that they need through the connection of you and your role, but then the, the third party provider, whether it be a psychologist or or whoever, that the, the support that they need, that is, we have that access for them there to use some money towards that because one, sometimes it's really hard to get into these places and we hopefully bridge that gap through your role. And then two, they're very expensive and some and potentially can be a turn off or avoidance for someone to connect with these services. So that's another area of change game that we make sure is well done. Yep. And I think from that, when players and staff members are using that, we look at it from two different perspectives there as well. There is the proactive. Some players are trying to just improve in certain areas of their life. So they might use that change the game initiative to go and see a, a specialist where they might be able to help them with an area of that holistic approach that we spoke about. But also when a player does need to be reactive to how they're feeling or where their mental health is currently at, change the game is supporting them. And, and I know the players really appreciate that. We're really lucky within the cutters. We fall under the QRL and NRL wellbeing program as well. And they offer a, an EAP, which is an employee assistance program through Benistar. Um, that's not for everyone doing it via Zoom or doing it over the phone. Don't get me wrong, Benistar do a great job. And we're really lucky that our players and our staff have access to that, that some people don't have access like that. But I think the change the game just supports that in giving the players another option to have someone locally that they can go and speak to and, and they can prove in certain areas of their life. 
And so where do you think change game can go? Like what, what's next for the club? How, how are we going to broaden the scope of what change game is? Well, mate, just talking about our wellbeing process, and again, it stems from the NRL's wellbeing process and the Wellbeing Science Institute as well. Like We believe that's gold, and we believe this is the best approach towards a person and an organisation's mental health and wellbeing. And I think with Change the Game, it's a matter of where it can get to. There's a lot of different areas that we can tap into. There's a lot of different areas within the community that maybe don't have access to what we have access to. So I guess trying to extend that to, to make it more readily available for people within our community and whether that's going out to different businesses and organisations and introducing them to the wellbeing process that, that we follow and helping them to implement that at their organisation to, again, be more proactive towards improving employee wellbeing. So certain organisations, businesses that I've come across in Mackay do have reactive processes already involved, but I guess helping to educate them on how they can be more proactive within their organisation. When you speak to some other wellbeing managers of different clubs, you often hear the comment about having roadblocks and it's hard sometimes to get time and access to playing group or implement the, the strategies and the proactive measures and the the model, the wellbeing model that you you want into the club. What's it like at the Cutters? I'm one of the very lucky wellbeing managers that at the club we have a really positive approach to the wellbeing program. I've never had any issues with getting the opportunity to speak with players or speaking with staff and I think that starts at the top. So we talk about when we try and introduce a new process and that's kind of what we had to do last year when we didn't have one in place is making sure that different stakeholders are on board with that. So could for us as an example, starting at board level and I know our board are very supportive of the wellbeing being program we have in place, as well as the Change the Game initiative itself. Someone like yourself in a CEO role, making sure they're across and see what the benefits to having a wellbeing program is, and then moving towards coaches, head of football, head of performances, and making sure they're understanding where their players can get benefit, both on and off the field. There is indicators within performance that can be improved from being engaged with your wellbeing. So making sure that all those key stakeholders are on board first before you just try and go and implement something new with the playing group. So I think that's one thing that I learned quite a lot from the Wellbeing Science Institute and the course, that you've got to start there before you just go straight into the playing group. So let's keep talking about this Wellbeing Science Institute, the certificate that you've hopefully just completed because it's it's very time-consuming but well worth doing. It's represented as a certificate for, but it, for us, <laughs> I've done it myself as well. I've, it did feel like sometimes a lot more difficult than some uni degrees out there, which is a positive when you when you think about it. Talk to me about that certificate going through that process with WSI and your biggest takeaways from that course and what you've been able to implement. I think some of the key takeaways we've already spoken about around, firstly, what a wellbeing manager actually needs to do and how broad of a scope we can have as wellbeing managers. There's a lot of different areas of a person's life and a person's personal development that we can help impact. And so I think firstly, realising how broad that can be. One key takeaway that I found really important was strategy first. So plan and create a process first before you just go out and try and implement. 
organisations or teams or however you want to look at it, they might have good intentions in trying to boost the organisation's wellbeing or the mental health, however you want to look at it. But having a really strong plan in place first and having a strategy and being able to brief those key stakeholders around what your strategy looks like and what the benefits are, I think has helped us implement it at the club. But I think that's something the course really taught me the importance of that. Again, it's evidence-based as well. Um, As you mentioned, the course isn't easy. I've done a a bachelor's degree myself in education, and while that was a four-year course compared to the 12-month Cert 4, certainly some of the tasks in there, not only time-consuming but quite challenging, but I think if we want well-being to be held in the regard it needs to be held, I think the qualification needs to be like that as well. So I enjoyed every minute of the course. It has its challenges, but anything worthwhile does have its challenges. So I look forward to getting my feedback and and hopefully I'll be held in high regard having that qualification as well. So really worthwhile course and recommend it to, doesn't just, it is an elite athlete wellbeing management, but I think it can really easily be used in any kind of organisation. So definitely recommend it to anyone who wants to know more about being a wellbeing manager. Same here. All right. So we've talked a lot about a lot of the positives throughout this chat. What have been some of the main challenges for you in this role? So take it wherever you want to take it, whether it's player focused, club focused. I know even myself and you at times, I've, you've challenged my opinion, I've challenged your opinion. We've had some very healthy conversations around lots of things to do with work. Talk to me about the challenges? I think number one for me, whether it's a challenge or it was it was part of the process, but I guess another experience that's helped me within the role that was a challenge to start with was my transition to Mackay. So I obviously transitioned from New South Wales, drove 24 hours north to Mackay and transitions is an area that I work quite closely with the players in being able to relocate from wherever they're coming from in the state or whether it's from a different state or a different country in some ways. So being able to transition successfully myself, fit into a new environment, as well as my partner Emily as well, making sure that we've both transitioned into a new environment before I'm able to help other players do that. So I think while it was a challenge to start with, we've really settled in. We love Mackay, we love the community, we love the club. I think that really helped me to assist other players with that transition in saying that that has its challenges at times. Not everyone settles in like myself and Emily did. Not every player might enjoy their environment, but we've really got to do our best to support them and try and set them up for success when they do transition. When I first started, COVID was still kind of running rampant. When I first moved to Mackay, I think I had to do the two weeks home isolation. And straight after that, I think it was around Christmas time, players started transitioning to Mackay and the rental crisis was just crazy at that time. It was almost impossible to get a rental. I was lucky myself that I had a friend here that I could stay with, but I know how challenging it was for players, not only to transition to a new environment, but to transition and not be able to find anywhere to live. And I took that personally because I want to be able to support players in having a successful transition, but COVID sort of had some impacts on that. And and then I guess as the season progressed, we had certain rules and regulations that we had to follow with COVID as well. So I guess last season was run like an an ordinary rugby league season would be. We had a lot of things that we had to consider. It was a lot of COVID testing and and things like that and and had its impact on staff members, but also on the playing group as well. So I think while I wasn't here in the absolute thick of COVID when all the lockdowns and things were going on, I think there were still some challenges there that, that we had to adhere to last year. And you did a great job through that period, Jared. So thank you and well done. Thanks, especially with all that testing we had to do and the reporting back to the QRL. Yep. You definitely flew the flag for us there and, and knocked it for six. Ah, very good. How many? Uh, we didn't have too many 
incidents from that period either with the COVID running rampant through the club. So I think yeah. it was a testament to what we the process we had in place as yep, well. 100%. The players handled it really well. It had mm. its challenges, but I thought dealing with what we had to deal with, the players responded really well to it. All right, Dad, a dream. Let's talk through your current and future goals. What what are they personally and professionally? Yeah, so we've spoken a lot about, I guess, the well-being role and, and what I'm doing with players. Come back to the start of the year and I kind of looked at the process we are following with players and having the conversations with players and, and encouraging them to put their own well-being action plans in place. That's something we offer as well-being managers. If there's an area of that holistic approach to a person that a player might want to improve on, we encourage and assist players to create their own well-being action plan, a set of actions or goals that a player can follow to try and improve a certain area that we know will improve them holistically as well as a person. I kind of looked at that process and when I need to start practicing a little bit more of what I'm preaching and I put myself through the wellbeing process that I would follow with a player or a staff member, did some assessments with myself and identified the areas of, of the dimension of wellbeing that within myself I wanted to improve on. So that was about this time last year, wasn't it? Yeah, probably a little bit later in the year and I, I started to do the assessments and I I noticed there was, and I think for myself, I knew deep down, I think everyone does, but I think having a wellbeing manager to talk to or just having the process that we go through, it brings a lot of self-awareness to the table and kind of really identifies some practical things you can do straight away to, to try and improve your overall wellbeing. Um, so for me, physical health was one of those since my injury, which was eight years ago now, I've always battled with my fitness. Rugby league was a way for me to stay reasonably fit, which we know has a good impact on your mental health as well. So I kind of looked at that and and I'd used the knee as an excuse for long enough and, and needed to put some action in place there. So that was an area I focused on. It came up in my assessments and I wanted to set some smart goals and, and some action items on, on how I could improve that. So I'm about six or seven months in now and, and 15 kilos down from that initial plan that I set. And I think having the players around that are working towards their goals only motivated me to, to want to do the same. So I thank the players and the staff that are involved in the wellbeing program at the moment for showing me that motivation. And, and my partner, Emily, she's really supportive and, and jumped on board as well. So we've, uh, we've been training together and going through the sort of journey together as well. And I'm finding the benefits that we talk about within the, the Cert 4 and what they're trying to, to educate us on. And then as wellbeing managers, we're trying to educate players on, I'm finding those benefits because I've put myself through it. So um, that's kind of me at the moment, just focusing on that. Education's another area that I'm trying to, I guess, broaden my knowledge around the, the wellbeing space. It's still reasonably new to me, transitioning from teaching and being sort of 18 months in, but found that obviously the Cert 4 has really helped. We have different conferences and different opportunities through the NRL that we can attend and connect with different people in the space. And I've really found that that's assisted me trying to work towards that goal as well. So physical health and education are two dimensions that I'm really working on within my own well-being at the moment. What about career, mate? Yeah, so obviously loving it, something I'm really passionate about working in this wellbeing space, as well as working in the game of rugby league itself. I remember when I was dealing with the injury and recovering, I had a lot of, as I mentioned before, I had a lot of time to think and I kept coming back to my purpose and, and why why it was affecting me so much that I might not get to play the game again. And I come back to that I had to reestablish what my purpose was and why I wanted to 
be involved in rugby league. And I realised eventually that there was ways I can contribute to the game and the people that are involved in this game that's given me so much. Um, there's ways I can give back in other other areas. So it started with coaching to start with. Coached back home in junior grades and, and up to first grade within Gundigai. And then once the wellbeing role popped up, I realised that this was my way of being able to contribute to rugby league. I think there's an even greater purpose that comes with working in the wellbeing space that we can impact people outside of the game as well. But I see myself long-term wanting to contribute again to a game that's given me so much. It's given me many, many of my friends and, and people that mean a lot to me have come through the game of rugby league. I met my partner, Emily, through the game of rugby league as well. So a game that's given me so much, I want to be able to give back to that. And for me and, and the person I am and, and I guess what I'm passionate about, I think the wellbeing space is somewhere where I can make a long-term commitment to the game, be able to make an impact. So I love loving my time at the Cutters. I'm loving my time in Mackay, but there, I want some progression there eventually as well. And working in the NRL at wherever that might be is something that I've got my sights on at the moment. Do you have a club of choice? Any. Just want to contribute to the game, mate. I won't <laughs> narrow down a club, but like I said, I'm really happy at the cutters at the moment and I'm in no rush, but I want to progress in some way, shape or form. And unless the cutters, we, we become an NRL club, it probably is going to be moving on at some point, but absolutely loving the role and loving the opportunity to contribute to the game. So we'll see where that takes me. All right. Final question. Butters. <laughs> where does this nickname come from? Mate? Oh, this is not like, good. Explain yourself. So, years and years ago, I had a, a boxing match as a nine-year-old. Absolute muck-around boxing match, obviously. Won't get too much into that. You're an S&C for a boxer, so don't uh, get too many ideas there. But, um, yeah, we had a boxing match. I think the, the boys were videoing it and kind of having a bit of a laugh back, and we all know the boxer Butterbean. That that become my name. So, through a few haymakers, probably not the uh, the best rig on me either. So, Butterbean become the uh, become the nickname. So, shout-out to Blake Dean and Mick Eccleston for that one back in Gundagai. They're the one ones that started Butterbean and transitioned to Butters and it stuck ever since. It's stuck. It still gets thrown around <laughs> the office every now and again. It does. So, uh, Jared, thanks very much for coming on this podcast and, and sharing some insights into what we do at the club in the, in our, in the wellbeing space and change the game and, and then also a bit of your personal life as well. It's been a good chat and look forward to you continuing to um, do what you do at the club. Thanks, Mitch. Really appreciate it. I hope I've done the the great work that the club and the community do in the wellbeing space. I hope I've done that justice through this podcast and looking forward to continuing to be a part of that. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Change the game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters.